Amen. Good to see all of you. This is great. What an exciting morning. Welcome to Mountain View Church, where our love for God leads us to love our world. Uh, lots of things we've already talked about that we're thankful for. And we do need to be thankful for a lot of things. Um, but we live in a society that isn't generally that thankful. And we just, we just aren't that thankful a lot of times. Um, I know this one. I go to Costco, and we haven't done that lately because of the pandemic and so forth. But my wife shops there. And I like to look at books and sample their treats. So when I sample their treats, they often say, you know, you can buy these things, you know. But I just sample them most of the time. Occasionally I find something I like. But as I'm sampling those, I try to say thank you. And one time this lady just practically did a backwards flip. She said, that's the first time anybody's thanked me. Did you hear about the grandparents who they decided not to sign their checks for Christmas last year? They hadn't heard from their grandkids for a while. They heard from them. Or about how about the boss who gets your idea, right? You come up with an idea, they don't give you credit for it, and then they use it. That's not very thankful. So we think of Thanksgiving, and we think of all these different ways that we give thanks. And, um, yeah, I mean, we, it's, it's not that you give thanks in order to get, but you do it because it uplifts and encourages the other person. It makes you feel well as well. You know, without Thanksgiving, we are unhealthy people. And the one whom we should be most thankful for, of course, is God. We need to be thankful for all the things God does us, and he does things all day long. You know, every meal we get is from God. The weather, we needed the rain. Um, being able to get in this building when the rain came. There's so many things to be thankful for. And so we're thinking about this whole idea of Thanksgiving and thinking also about the fact that we were hoping we could move in on Thanksgiving Sunday. So when I first put this together, I thought, I'm going to do a Thanksgiving topic. And you know what? If, if we don't move into Thanksgiving, it still fits. Because we can be thankful for the fact that we came as a Christian nation. We have that Christian heritage. And we can be thankful for the fact that Christ is coming. And it kind of covers the whole scope of things. And we can be thankful that we have a building, that we have a home. And so I thought, well, where do we go for that? Well, Psalms have a lot of thanks, and there's one Psalm, it's Psalm 100, that is called by most people the classic Psalm of Thanksgiving. I thought, well, that's a good place. Why don't we just camp out there? So that's what we're going to do today. We're going to look at it, and it will help us to express our thanks to God during a time when we should be especially thankful. Now, as before we go there, I want to get you prepared for next week. Next week, we have our special Sunday Christmas service. And so the kids are going to be singing, Hark, the Herald Angels Sing. And we're going to make that kind of a theme. And we're going to talk about that very song. So I'd encourage you to Google it. Look at the first three stanzas. We're going to give you the history behind it. We're going to talk a little bit about it. We're going to tie it into scripture, and we'll have some fun with it. So be prepared for next week. For this week, we're looking at Psalm 100, and I'm going to read it to you. It reads, Psalm 100, a psalm for giving thanks. Make a joyful noise to Yahweh, all the earth. Serve Yahweh with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Know that Yahweh, he is God. It is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name, for Yahweh is good. His steadfast love endures forever and his faithfulness to all generations. So we're expressing thanks to God, and the first way we do that is we joyfully worship him in word and deed. 
We joyfully worship him in word and deed. It starts off, it says, a psalm for thanks, giving thanks. So we know this is about thanks because he just told us it's a psalm for, psalm for giving thanks. Um, it's a psalm, which means that it was originally a song. It means that it originally had a melody. But we've lost the melody, but we've retained the words, which is like a poem. So we look at it in that way. Um, it is probably, we believe, if we look at it, Psalm 93 on through 100 is all talking about the covenant. Now, God's covenant is a difficult thing to kind of explain. It's almost like a contractual agreement, but it means that when a contract, you know, both sides make their, take their positions, but God knows it will fail, but he is going to prevail, and he is going to get it done. And so he's promising this covenant. What's fascinating is he's talking about this covenant thousands of years before it gets fulfilled in Jesus Christ. And we'll see some very fascinating tie-ins today on that. Um, it is also, if you've noticed, it doesn't have the name of anybody on it. And so it's an anonymous psalm, or what we would call an orphan psalm. Poor little guy. All by himself. Who wrote him? Don't know for sure. But we do know that it, it, it appears that it came after they came back from their exile in Babylon, or modern-day Iraq, and the Israelite people came back, and they came, you know, back to Israel. And Ezra and Nehemiah probably compiled it. It was probably written before. A lot of people think that David wrote it because it's very similar to Psalm 95. So it could be what they call a Davidic psalm. But we don't know. It doesn't matter, really, because God is the one who ultimately inspired all that's been written. So let's take a look at it and see what he says. He starts off and he says, uh, make a joyful noise. And it, it literally means to shout. Make a joyful shout to God. Have you ever shouted to God? Ever got, you've shouted like in a football game, right? You jerk, why are you, you know, or, no, we're talking positive. So good catch, good catch, okay? So, and, and so you, you get excited. Well, I'll tell you what, I've done that before. I've gotten excited. I feel like, man, God just presented something in my life. I've been praying. I've been spending some time in prayer, and it's like, wow, that's awesome. And it's like a, a fist pump. Or somebody came to the Lord, that's exciting. Or somebody was sick and they're healed, that's exciting. And we should get excited about it. But within the context here, it's talking more about making a joyful noise or a shout in your singing. To sing loudly to God. When you're excited, you sing loud. And that's the basic idea here is we're supposed to sing loud and get excited about the relationship that we have with God. Now, some of you would say that you don't understand, Ron, when I make a joyful noise, it's not, it doesn't sound joyful. But when we all sing together, we can do pretty well. I mean, we're not all like Mitch. When Mitch hits those high notes, it's like I don't hit those notes unless I'm in the shower and it's cold. <laughs> but, but you don't have to be a gifted singer. You can, you can sing anyway, and it all blends in. And not only that, um, Mitch has told me that you can even make a bad voice sound decent with modern technology with sound systems. So I think God has got this covered. You sound good to him. So just do the best you can and sing loudly and sing in an excited manner. Now, the thing that's interesting here is who is supposed to do this? And it says all the earth is supposed to do it. And that it's kind of like, well, okay, yeah, of course, that's good. Everybody should be excited about God. But wait a minute, wait a minute. This is, this is back in Israel when we often say in the New Testament it talks about everybody, but in the Old Testament it only is really concerned about the Israelites. Well, that's not true. You go through the Psalms, and almost every Psalm will point out that the ultimate, the ultimate aim of 
the uh, covenant is to reach the whole world. When Jesus says, you know, he, he says that we're to go and make disciples of all nations, he's just echoing what's being said here. That's what's being said. Everybody, not just you, Israel, but the word he's using here is everybody is supposed to ultimately, through you, they didn't achieve it, but they did achieve it through Jesus, through Israel, through Jesus, the whole world now comes and gives this joyful shout, gives this loud singing of praise to God. Pretty cool. He says, serve Yahweh with gladness. And the word serve literally is more like to enable somebody to, to work hard, to labor, to enslave. But the word probably, you know, it, it's really better translated. The NIV translates it as worship. And worship is really a better translation. Why don't they translate it as worship? You know why? Because in the Western world, we would get confused. When we think of worship, what do we think of? We think of singing. But when they're talking about worship, they're talking about people who would bring their animals, their most valuable possessions, and sacrifice them before God. It was a labor of love. They were, their worship wasn't just singing. It was very physical. And it was, it was very sacrificial. And the basic idea is this is, a, this is a broad word. And it's a word with a lot of, you know, different things that are going on with it. Um, and so this word is not this narrow word that means just to sing, but it really means to love God in word and deed. In the very way that you live, that you should live for God in a very powerful and meaningful way, in a way where you're just rejoicing and celebrating in everything you do. And then he says, come to his presence and singing. And the singing here is more probably like a chanting and crying out that they would do. Uh, but the idea is that just as we came in today, we come in to be with God. The idea is you want to be in God's presence. When you're with God, you can get really excited about being with him and your relationship with him. So we should be so joyful and excited. We should be people that sing loud. We should be people that are looking at worshiping God through our very lives, through every fiber of our being, through all the things that we do. These are the kinds of things that should define us in our relationship with God. So I want to look at a couple um, applications today as we work through this. Um, one is to sing loudly and joyfully. And, you know, there's been some challenges, admittedly, this past summer, right, with the pandemic and everything shut down. And we're, like Mitch said, we were live streaming from his home, and you guys are at home, and your kids find out that you don't sing real great. And, um, <laughs> and it's a little awkward singing by yourself in front of the screen sometimes and those kinds of things. Then you come outdoors, and it's a little hard to hear. Have you noticed the difference inside already? When you're outside, it gets carried away, you know, with, with the air, and, and it just kind of floats away, and we're just mostly listening to Mitch, which is good, because Mitch is a great guy to listen to, but it sounds so much better when we're all singing, doesn't it? And you can hear that inside. And so um, that's been something that we haven't been able to do. That's something that we are now able to do. And so I really want to encourage you to, to be among the happiest people on the planet. We should be. Like Clifton said earlier, we didn't know, we didn't know the timing of everything. We didn't realize that when this thing took place that Farrell's Elementary School would ask us to leave. So do you realize that if we hadn't purchased this building, we wouldn't have a home? And it's just an incredible God thing that we're here. And we should be among the most excited people on the planet. We should be people that are 
you know, pumping our fists. We should be singing loudly. Uh, and it sounded so good with you all singing, but I think we can sing even louder than that. So I encourage you to raise the roofs and get excited and enjoy your worship because there's a lot to be thankful for. Um, and that's what God would want us to do. The second thing is to serve him joyfully. Remember how the seven dwarfs used to whistle while they worked? Might try it sometime. It's better to um, hum hymns of praise than to grumble and gripe, right? And we've all got chores to do. We've all got things to do. This weekend I had to get rid of a bunch of leaves. You know, the trees are so pretty in the spring, um, but in the fall, I don't like them so much. Lots of leaves. And I was out there, but you know what? That's just part of the process of life, right? Just little things like that, they seem tedious, they seem, you know, meaningless, but, but with God, it's, it, it's still ministry. It's still a, an opportunity to worship him, to worship him while you work, to look at the jobs that you have. Everything you do is a, is a means of, of serving God. It's a, mean, it's, a, it's a means of worship. And God wants us to look at our lives that way. And so I really encourage you to do that as you work around the house and look for ways that you can serve. One of the neat things that's happened is with this building is we've had some people really step up, and there's just almost too many to mention, but there's some people that have just really jumped in and gone overtime in helping to get this building ready um, to present to you today. And so we're so grateful to, for them. But for a lot of us, it's been a time where we haven't done as much, and we have opportunities to do that now. We've got a building. And you have an opportunity to worship God through your service. One of the things we're going to do is when we're concluding today is we're going to have some sign-ups that you can go up and you can sign up. In this room here right behind the wall, there will be sign-ups for children's ministries. And we really need, always need most of the help, it seems like, in children's ministries. Uh, if, you've, if you know, Some of you aren't you know, inclined to teach, but most of you, if you have kids, um, and we'll do background tests, and you pass the background test, most of you can work with kids. The little ones. And so we encourage you to, you know, if everybody trades off, it's not that much work. And everybody gets involved and it becomes a fun process. You build relationships, you help these kids, and years down the road, they'll come back to you and say they remembered you and how special it was. You know, those are the kind of connections we make. And there's other things we can do. We have landscaping, we have setups, we have uh, different things that we do at the church. Greeting, the Shanks greeted us this morning. So Go and take, check that out before you leave. It'll be in the hallway um, as you head back towards the bathrooms, and there are different places to sign up there. And I encourage you to sign up so that we can get everything on deck and get everything functioning on our building and give thanks to God through serving him. Now, it goes on, and it tells us that we express our thanks to God by knowing the God who made us. And it says that we are to know the God that made us, and he is addressed as Yahweh. Yahweh is God's covenant name. It's his personal name that's used in the Old Testament. They stopped using it in the Old Testament, and then they would call him Lord later. So it's kind of interesting. When we talk about Jesus as Lord, there is an instant connection with Yahweh because Yahweh was in that those two names kind of interact with each other. It's kind of cool. You know, so this this connection with Yahweh, who is the divine God of the universe, three in one. And so he's Yahweh, and he is God, and to know him Literally, uh, another translation would be to confess him, to know him, to make him known, to say, I know him. I know this God. That's a pretty powerful statement, isn't it? Um, it's not like, I, I, you know, there was a friend of mine who was singing a song once, and, and, I, and in his song, he has this line, I know him, I know him, and it always grabbed me. It's like, you're not just singing the song. You're, you're not singing about somebody. You're singing about somebody you know. You're singing about something, something you've experienced. And we need to know 
the living God of the universe because he's the one who made us. And in the context, probably he's the one who made Israel, but he's the one who made true followers of Christ. He brought us together. We're his people. We're his sheep. See, look at it from Israel's viewpoint. Their understanding is it's a, it's a shepherding nation, right? And so the shepherd is the king. The pastor is the, peop- are the, is the land, and the sheep are the people. So in the context, God is the king of the universe. This planet is his pasture, and we are the sheep. And we need to recognize that everything depends on him, and we should completely, um, you know, just be, be bowing our lives to him and recognizing that he is the God who made us. Um, that's what God wants us to do. He wants us to know him. Um, yeah, and I was, that's what I wanted to say there. I guess that's it. I thought there was something more. But um, we, so, so you, get the need, you need to get to know him. Do you know him? I mean, that's the starting point. You know, do you admit that you're a sinner in need of a savior? Do you believe that Jesus died on the cross in your place and rose from the grave? Have you surrendered your life to him? Have you come into a relationship with him? If you've yet to do that, please come and talk to us. What a great day to do that, the first day that we opened the church building. But we encourage you to come and surrender your life to Jesus Christ that he might work in your life in a powerful, powerful way. Um, you know, I would go further from that. You know, when I was um, when I was a young associate pastor, I had an office that was there was this big conference room, and right directly across it was the lead pastor's office. He's about ten years older than me, gifted gifted um, communicator, um, good guy, nice guy, and he had an open door policy. So as a young pastor, I would make sure I'd get over there pretty regularly. If I was going to preach a sermon, I wanted his input on it. After I preached the sermon, I wanted to know how I did. Um, If I was doing some ministry project, I wanted insight from him. And I wanted to get to know him and learn from him. And I did, and we became friends. And I got to know him better. And then I got to know him too well because there were some skeletons in the closet. And others noticed it too. And there became some real problems with this individual and the way that he did ministry and his attitude and ended up the church kind of fell apart around him. But still, through that process, as tragic as it was, I learned a lot. Now, here's the deal. Anybody you you know, everybody falls short of perfection other than God. But you can learn from anybody. Imagine what you can learn from the God of the universe. He's perfect. He'll never fail you. And guess what? Did you know... He has an open-door policy. Anytime you want to go talk to him, you can. And so I would encourage you to do that. And this is a time to to just to thank God um, and and get to know him better and be thankful for the opportunity to get to know him better. As we're, you know, it's a new start to kick it off, you know, to be maybe more diligent about reading the passages before. We tell you the passages. Read the passage before we preach it. When you come to church on Sunday morning, take notes, some of you, or talk about it afterwards. Talk about Sunday school with your kids. Make it a, you know, a, a part of your day. Go home during the week and wrestle with these things and try to see what am I learning and how can I grow in my relationship with God. And that's a way of giving him thanks. And it's a way that we can expand and do more and more. We hope to have more uh, ministries in this building to come you know, in the future. So that's something, again, to give thanks for. Another way to express thanks to him is by worshiping him as a people. It says to enter his gates with thanksgiving, they mean going into the courtyard. 
going into the courtyard, going into the temple area. We were there when we were, um, went to Israel and going in there and worshiping God and just the throngs of people going in and just having a good time being with him. That was a powerful thing. Can you imagine all these people crowded in and, and, and they'd have the, the people singing and it was a powerful experience. But how does that relate to us today? Because of the fulfillment of the new covenant, if you're in a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, then when you pray and talk to God, you enter into that court, courtyard. You enter into that temple. You enter in spiritually and symbolically into a relationship with the God of the universe. That's pretty powerful stuff. Uh, Hebrews 10, verses 19 through 22, describes it this way. It says, Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain that is through his flesh, and since we have a great priest, that's Jesus, over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. So, so now we can come before him, and we need to come before him. And we need to come before and worship him. You know, it's, you know, can you imagine yourself being in God's court? Because spiritually speaking, when we come together like this, we're in the courtyard of God. Though our eyes can't see it, I'm absolutely convinced that there's angels and beings here with us that we don't see. That we have entered into another world when we worship God and when we thank him for what he's doing in our lives. Can you imagine being with the perfect father? Because you are with the perfect father. So we need to focus our minds on exactly what we're doing when we worship him as we're doing today. Uh, and then the key here, though, that really kicks it up to another step is he says that is something that we are to do as a family, that we do as a corporate unit. This isn't just one person saying, I think I'll go to the temple and worship God. This is throngs of people coming in. This isn't just me coming in here by myself and say, I think I'm going to have a special time of worship. This is the body coming in. And that's the picture is that God delights in having his people come together. So you give thanks as a gathered family. You know, one of the things that is really difficult at Christmas time is when people can't come to Christmas, right? Uh, there's been a lot of songs written about that, especially in boyfriend-girlfriends. You know, all I want for Christmas is you, baby, you know. Um, but then there's these old classics, right? The old classics, the World War II classic, remember? I'll be home for Christmas. Did you know that came from World War II? Because prior to World War II, people didn't move around as much. People stayed in the same towns, more or less. But then people began to move all over the place. And World War II, you know, I mean, that kind of spread everybody out. But at that time, especially not being home for Christmas, that was a big deal. Still is, but it was really a big deal. So they wrote the song, I'll Be Home for Christmas. Parents will tell you, the main thing I want for Christmas is just everybody to be here. That's the best gift you can give me. I know families that have gatherings once a week. Once a week, the family gets together, and almost everybody does everything they can to try to make sure they're there for that occasion. What this is saying when it says that it blesses God's name, it blesses God's name. It blesses his person. It makes him happy when his family is together. Nothing makes God any happier than having his children together. And 
your biological family, especially if they don't know Jesus, cannot potentially be as close to you as your spiritual family that does know Jesus. Have you ever thought about that? And so if you're making efforts to get together with your family, your biological family, how much more should you try to get together with your spiritual family with whom you'll serve eat with and live with for eternity? So I really want to encourage you to come. This is now we got a building. It's a time to, to come. Um, some of you, you know, I understand some people are going to be uncomfortable coming still and, and understand that. And I, I, yeah, I pray for you guys. Can't wait to see you again. But that means you can still keep watching us as we live stream. So make sure that you are watching us as we live stream and everybody else come. And as time goes on, we can come more often and, and try to be consistent in coming because it's so much more enjoyable when you are. You build, that's how you build relationships. That's how you get close to people. That's how you get closer to God. That's how you learn more. It's all something that, God, that, that we do together. We do together. We're in this thing together. Um, and then another thing to thank him for is just to thank him for who he is. And at the end here, it says that Yahweh is good. That means he's good in a general sense. That he's good in, in every sense of the word. And then it says his steadfast love is something that's going to last forever. And his faithfulness is going to last for generations, generations, generations. Those are cool words. But there's more, they're more cool when you unpack them and understand them. The word here for steadfast love is hesed. We talked about it a little bit earlier when we did um, a sermon on Psalm 51. Hesed is used 250 times in the Old Testament. It is one of the most significant words. And what does it mean? Steadfast love. It means what it says, but it means it's almost like the word love can be sort of sentimentalized. But the love that is hesed, God's hesed love, is love that is steadfast, love that is strong, love that lasts, love that is undefeatable. It is love that will not let go. It will never leave you or nor, nor forsake you. And then the word that usually follows it is faithfulness or emunach. Emunach means not just faithfulness, but certainty. It is absolutely certain that God's love will never fail you. Within the context of the covenant, where both sides are making agreements, right? One side's going to fail. That's us. But God, God will not fail us. It is absolutely certain that he will be there. And he is the one who works through us. He's the one that makes things happen. And that's why we celebrate. A friend of mine recently went to a memorial service. And he said it was really sad. It was a younger lady who had passed away. But he said it was a beautiful service. And he said, you know, Ron, the thing that was really neat about it is the pastor put his emphasis, he put his whole emphasis on God and who God is and how this lady knew God and everything that was great that happened in her life came because God worked through her. It wasn't celebrating her alone. It was celebrating her relationship with God and what God had done through her life. And that's really how a memorial should be. Um, it, it's about our relationship with God and how he works through our lives. When you look at our church, um, it would be really nice for us to stand up here and say, um, you know, when we started this church, I remember, remember, you know, Clifton probably remembers this. We sat down and we figured out where we were going to start it. We figured out in about seven years we purchased this building here. Um, this was where, you know, and we had it all planned out. And we figured about exactly how many people would be in here. Um, and, you know, we didn't have any of that figured out. 
Matter of fact, when we started the church, we sort of backed into it. We didn't want, none of us wanted to start a church. It was just a weird set of circumstances that God just sort of put us in a position where we said, well, I guess this is what we're doing. Um, we got the property over there, which, you know, we don't know still how that's going to all play out, but we thought for a while that was going to be it, but then this property came up. And I remember driving by here and a couple times it thought, I thought about it, but I dismissed the thought. But, but God just put that on bur- burden on Clifton, and he said, I think we need to get this property, this building. And then we all prayed about it, and others weighed in and said, yeah, and then the timing. Isn't that weird? I, I think so often, I think one of the most powerful things, the thing I, I'm most excited about when I think about this church is how much it's been something that's happened because of our dependence on God. We pray, we talk about things, and then God just sort of shows up, and it's obvious what we're supposed to do. It's not usually that difficult. And then we just say, okay, I guess we'll go that direction, and God takes care of us. And so all along, it's really been the Lord who's been the one who's been pulling it all together for us. And that's pretty powerful stuff, and that should encourage us very much. Um, So we should be giving thanks. There's a lot to give thanks to God for. Um, even hard times. Did you know that First uh, Thessalonians 5 says we should thank God for everything because God has his purposes that we don't always see. And even when we go through difficult times, God can use those times to draw us closer to himself and others and help us grow as human beings. I want you to think about specific thanks that you can give as we conclude today. Maybe specific thanks you can give for your involvement with Mountain View Church. Uh, how has this church minister to you. I look around and I see some of you have given your life to the Lord here. Um, others who have grown in your relationship with Christ, gone through different crises in family, in marriage, or whatever. Um, people who have just, uh, you know, have, have, you know, just seen your families grow, seen you minister in our community in various ways or in our church. Uh, it's just incredible. I, I think we would have story after story. We could probably spend here all afternoon just giving thanks for what God's done in each individual life. So I want you to think about that. How has God used this church to encourage and to uplift you? Uh, what has he done to help you along the way? And then stop and think about God himself and think about his Hesed love and his Emunach faithfulness. And thank him for those things. And tell him how much you appreciate him for those things. Understand that you will fail him, but he will never fail you. We can never thank God enough for all he has done for us. But we shouldn't stop trying. Join me in a word of prayer. Father, thank you so much for all you've done for us. This has been an incredible year, and there's a lot to be grateful for, even though it's been a very tough year. Um, But we thank you for how you've worked through it in um, amidst strange circumstances, and we pray that you would continue to keep us focused, first and foremost, in our relationship on you and to be thankful for the things that you've done. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.